so many years. And so to ha finally be here is like, yeah, we get to be here and see your parents and everything like that. Um, so we're so grateful. Um, Peter and I, we've been married for a little over two years, so we're still fresh at this. And we each were doing missions separately. So I was had a lot of experience in Latin America. He had a lot of experience in the Middle East. And then we ended up meeting, connecting through Ethiopia. So God is faithful. He knows what he's doing. Keep serving him on mission, whatever that looks like in your life. Yes. Yes, it's an honor to be here with y'all today. I feel a lot of sobriety, maybe, in my spirit. Um, yeah, the Lord is doing something, and he's calling us, you know, deeper into himself. The world is waiting for the true sons and daughters of God to reveal themselves. And, you know, even though we, we say missions, I'm, I'm falling more and more out of love with that word. Um, it's not really in the Bible. God calls us disciples, and he calls us to make disciples and to be disciples, and I feel like sometimes we have propped that word up in this celebrity way. It's like, okay, y'all the ones that go, we give, and we don't really got to go because we give. And, you know, it's just this, this thing that I feel like God wants to break um, because the nations are in need of true, true witnesses. Amen. So just a little bit about our, yeah, my background, our background. I've served in 14 different countries, mainly the Middle East and Africa. Um, my experience was, well, in 2019, I was in a country called Morocco, um, North Africa, and this is around when the pandemic happened, all these things started to happen, racism over in Africa and over the Middle East, a lot of things started to um, wake me up to something I call dead religion, and basically thinking that because I do missions or because I do something spiritual, that it's a substitute for truly possessing God, and it took, yes, the pandemic and all that stuff was horrible, and um, and I'm not making light of that, but because of these things, it started to bring me to this place of ask, crying out to God to deliver me from dead religion and from, and from church stuff and to really convert my heart um, to be his disciple. Um, and it's just, been a, it's just been a process. So right now, me and my wife, we're living in D.C. We'll be going to Benin, West Africa for a missionary boot camp. And basically, it's uh, it's being led by a, a black American woman who spent seven years, several years in Afghanistan and other black Americans who spent many years in hard places. And, you know, sometimes, you know, we don't really know these things, but the ministry that we're in, it was started in the 60s. It's called Ambassadors Fellowship. And it was founded by a black man named Virgil Amos. No white church or white organization will send black people in the 60s. So he founded this ministry. He partnered with OM. And I'm just starting to come into a history. And we have, like, some resources and materials out there. But we're starting to come into this history of, like, well, like, missions is not just for white people. Missions is not just to be super spiritual. We have a history in missions. And a lot of times when we read statistics and we talk about it, you know, people always say, it makes me a little frustrated, like, you know, the black church has no missions infrastructure. The black church don't do missions. I'm like, you know what? By whose standard do we not do missions? Because if you're looking at it from a way or a structure or wineskin that only works well for a majority, we won't fit none of those statistics. So the truth is we've been sending mission, missionaries out. Even in the 1800s, we, had, we were sending hundreds of missionaries out in, during slavery than we are today. Um, but we don't, we don't talk about these things because it doesn't fit into something what we call the status quo of missions, right? The first American to ever do cross-cultural missions was a black man named George Lyle who took the gospel to Jamaica. 
And I just found out about him like three years ago, and I've been doing missions for nine years, okay? So these are deep, deep issues that we're, we're seeking God to break so that we can see ourselves as a black people, um, as a people of God, that, oh, this is something that we're all called to participate in. This is something that we're all called to do, and no one's off the hook. Hallelujah. <laughs> I heard an older lady tell me one time, she says, you either pray, you either give, you either go, or you disobey. But you're doing something when it comes to bringing Jesus back to this planet um, by every tribe, tongue, and nation hearing, hearing the gospel. So as we started to wake up and desire, like, man, like, okay, God, what, is, what does missions look like for our people? You know, today we, you know, I was a, a, the only black guy in over nine years of ministry in predominantly white spaces and missions. And it's great. We're all one. We're the body of Christ. Hallelujah. But because of me going through extreme racism in these nations, even Africa, me, you know, even though everybody, a lot of places look like me, when you show up with six white people, the dynamics change a little bit. And, you know, I didn't get as much preaching opportunities. I didn't get as much engagements because, you know, a lot of times in missions, we just see the savior. We see the rich American or Westerner with the money. And if you're black with these people, maybe you are adopted and you forgot your African way, but we don't really uh, want, want you like that. But the Lord has done a lot in it. And the more we talk about the reality of race and missions and who we are in God's unique way to do missions through black people, the more we're able to count the cost. You understand? So we're not saying like, hey, let's talk about race. Let's talk about these issues so we can get pulled into political agendas or racial agendas that's knocking at our doors so much here in the West. But we're saying, you know what? The more I can see what it's truly like for me cross-culturally, the more I can go before the Lord and do what Luke 14 tells me, count the cost. I get to go before the Lord and say, you know what, Lord, I know that there's racism in the Middle East. I know that there's black people are despising a, a lot of places outside of America, but you're worthy of that. I'm born again from above, and because I know that I'm able to carry my cross and follow him, no matter what my money say, no matter what my comfort or security says, there's a remnant that God wants to raise up. So I, I come in sober today because, you know, a lot of times we think missions is pulling out our best African garments and all these things like that. And, and God is saying, no, missions is you being dead to yourself, truly possessing me and not just things about me, but truly possessing me, loving me when no one is watching you. And then from that place, you go exalt me in your life. And then I draw men unto myself. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And a lot of times we don't see, you know, we get a couple black missionaries and things like that in these spaces. But if we want a true African-American missions movement, we have to kind of stop making it about materialism. And a lot of times, you know, definitely me being from the, the hood of Detroit, from the projects, you grew up in Detroit, Michigan, you know, a lot of times us as a people, we, we feel like missions causes us to betray our culture in a lot of ways. Like, you know, predominantly white people, white mission structures, they say, you know, we've made it. Let's go to Africa and help the poor brown people. Let's go do a shoe drive and give clothes. And there's nothing wrong with meeting the material needs of people. But because we've only made it about that and not discipleship, not the kingdom of God being proclaimed to all nations and people. We've made it about meeting material needs so that we can clear our conscience, but not necessarily lay our lives down for people. And that doesn't work well with people in our culture. Um, I can go to Detroit right now and they're like, you want me to go do what in Africa? You want me to go do what in the Middle East? Man, people in the hood needs help. They, they need clothes and shoes. I'm like, yeah, but we're not out meeting clothes and shoes need. We're out 
preaching the gospel of the kingdom, seeing souls saved and transformed and calling them into this, this relationship, this intimacy with Jesus. And no matter if your circumstance change on the outside here on earth or do not, guess what? He went to prepare a place for you. God's kingdom is anti-world. God's kingdom is anti-culture. It's the culture of his son. And I've done missions in these places for nine years. And until I truly open, I had to really dig into it. Cause I'm like, you know, God, this ain't working. I don't know if the Jesus that we say that we love and possess is worth a Muslim coming out of their faith. I don't know if the Jesus that we're proclaiming and worshiping is enough for a homosexual to leave what they love. What is so special about your Jesus that's going to make somebody, that's going to provoke someone to say, you know what, I'm going to pick up my cross, lose my head, lose my identity, and follow him with my everything. And that's not to condemn us. It's to help us go back to the secret place and say, you know what, God, I need this to be real for me. I need you to make it real in me because I can't go give what I don't have. And I can't make what I am not. The time of doing good Christian activities that has no power is not working. Our young people, they need some people are hungry for something authentic and real. In our church activities, it's great. God bless it. But we need people in our lives, and we need to be in the lives of other people. You wouldn't believe how many times I've done this myself. This is conviction because I've done it because it made it easier. Let me come back to America, give a couple testimonies, make a lot of money, then go back and live my American dream life in Africa. Go live my American dream life in India. And, and we got to understand the most unreached people groups are not even in Africa. They're in Asia. So we got to really, we really need God to do something in us. And I'm going to go through this scripture and share a couple more stories and give my wife some time. But I just want to really get us to think differently about missions. And, and God, what is the new wineskin that you will have for us? What is the new wineskin you, do you want us to have for our recruitment? You know, it's a lie that goes around and saying God is looking for the best and the bright. And, and it's not true. He's looking for the weak and the low and the humble. You know, I'm from the I'm from the projects of the church. So when I went to Africa and I started to do missions, it, I was in my sweet spot. I never had a washing machine and dryer growing up. So when I was in these villages hand washing, my, I, didn't, I didn't have to hire one African to do anything for me like my white comrades. And that's not to be shady. That's just to say, you know what? If God, you know, this, you know, white is a culture. Everybody has a culture. That's great. But what is God's unique, divine way to use each culture in fulfilling the Great Commission? We have a base in Mexico, and we are getting ready to send Mexicans out to the 1040 window to missions. And guess how they're going? Through being maids. That's how God wants to use us. This is, you know what? We don't, we can't get the 3000 a month like the American organizations is telling us. We can't hit this status quo thing that the Americans are telling us. But you know what? We can build. We can clean. That's not a stereotype. That's, you know, we're going to use the, what God has given us. We're going to use it and we're going to go and not allow money or anything else to determine our obedience to the word. We got to look at the strengths of our people. 
Black, we, we are, we, we love, we're, we're community, we're relational. Like, there's so many good qualities about our people as Christians, and we, we kind of allow dead religion to, to push it out. And we're saying, no, God, if you made us, we love a good cookout as a people. Guess what they do in a lot of other countries, too? And when I showed up and I started, I'm the only one on my team of 12 people having cookouts at my little apartment in these nations. Seeing Muslims come to the Lord through organic relationship. Something that we're good at. <laughs> something that I like to do is cook. Cooking soul food overseas is a unique experience, but you know what? It's awesome. God can use us in our strengths, but we got to see it for ourselves. Hallelujah. You know, there's, I'm going to say this again. There's no substitute for possessing God, y'all. I've done it. I've went to the nations. I've done the stuff. I raised the money. I've lived overseas. But none of it dealt with the, 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 the secret sins in my secret life. And we think sometimes, well, because I shouted amen, because I did this thing, because I, like, I'm, a, I'm, I'm good with God because I'm the one overseas. No, you're not. I see you. I want to save you. I want to do something in your life and not just something around you. I was always thinking like that as a missionary. God, do something in this land. Do something around me. And God was like, you know, I want to do something in you. Because the only reason why there are people that do not know about Jesus is because there's Christians who do not know about Jesus. Because we don't truly know him. There's a, the people around us will not be impacted. But the more that we walk in truth and boldness and assurance and truly walking in transformation, though weak, though we make mistakes, it's a process. Can I get an amen? It's a journey. But if we're truly having our hands to the plow, like God tells us to, those around us will truly come into the knowledge of God. I was in Kenya for six months before I, before. Walking to the prayer room, having a hard day, crying. God, I, I'm just struggling, just, just in the flesh, okay? And this guy comes up to me. He says, like, I see him following me, and you get a little nervous because these are Muslim villages, reputations and things like that. You don't want to see nobody harmed. So I say, hey, man, like, what's going on? He says, listen, I've been watching you for six months, and I always see you walking past me in your hummy. Like, I want to know who your God is. This was the first Muslim I baptized in East Africa. And his dad, his, his family are the ones who built the biggest mosque in the village, in the town. So this was going to cost him something, okay? So I'm, you know, I got to make sure. I'm like, okay, you're saying this. Let me go get my team leader so we can really talk to you about baptism and things like that. But he was really serious. And I had to take my little missionary support money and move him to another place. Why? Because his family wanted to kill him. I've had people get in my face and say, listen, I'm like, listen, your son, your daughter, they want to become a Christian. What would, what would you say if they became a Christian? I will warn them not to. And what if they still want to? I will tell them twice. What if they still want to be a Christian? I take their head. And I'm out here trying to do a, a good Christian deed. I want to be able to look at people who are gay, who are Muslim, who are outside of the kingdom of God. And I want to say, listen, I know for a fact that what you're about to go through for this Jesus, for my God, it's so worth it because I'm going through it too. I've given up my American dream, my family, my comfort, Chick-fil-A, which I love when I'm back in America. I love me that spicy chicken sandwich. That's another story. But I'm not just calling you to something that's make-believe. I'm calling you to something that's real. How? Because I'm following him and I'm carrying my cross. 
So you got to understand that our weaknesses, our, our trials, the things that we struggle with, don't let the enemy come in and make you feel disqualified, but you're qualified because you haven't quit. And these guys are coming to the Lord with tears, and, I'm, and, I'm, and, and, and it provokes me to go back home and say, God, I'm not, just because I saw somebody say yes to Jesus, I'm, I got to live righteous before you when no one's watching. How can I call a Muslim to commit the number one sin in Islam, which is to convert to another religion, which will cost you your life, and then I'm still living for self as a Christian when I was supposed to be dead, when I got born again? We, we have to address these things so that we can say, you know what, God, the more we possess you, the more we exalt you and lift you up, you will draw all men to yourself because you're on display in my life. Hallelujah. You know, there are true senders. There are true goers. There are people that really cannot go and they say, you know what, I want to be faithful to be a sender. You know, I've had people, I had $1 when I had to join mission school, it was $10,000. And one lady came up to me and was like, hey, I'm not a goer, I'm a sender. And she wrote me a check for $10,000 paid for the, the, the training that I needed. God has the provision, but so many times today because we have this standard that's not even, mission standard that's not even rooted in the Bible, a lot of people like us don't feel called to it. It's not for us. It's for rich white people, and we do our thing in the hood. No, it's for all of us. And if it is, we may have to look at our structure and say something, something has to change. We have a we our ministry, Ambassadors Fellowship, is African American led, multi-ethnic. We have ethnic, we have many different people and races, but it's it's black led. And we have a we have a lady in North India serving there. And guess what? She only was getting she's only making about $400 a month through support. Any other organization will say, no, you ain't even qualified. But wait, your money may not say you're qualified, but your faith, you've been tried and tested. You're living in community. You're able to go. We're going to send you with what you got. And when you get over there, trust God like the Bible tells us. And guess what? She's being supported by the Indian church. She's living with the Indian family. She's not living no, no, you know, what's the word? Um, No different experience. Because I'm an American missionary living here, and I'm here. To, I'm the superior one here to help all y'all out. No, there's a remnant in these countries too that we got to come in and partner with. We got to come in and listen to the locals. Out of nine years of ministry, this is me being vulnerable. I promise I'm gonna get there. We're gonna get there. But I remember when we when we joined this ministry before we joined Ambassadors Fellowship in D.C. We went to Benin last year, and when we got to Benin, West Africa, with this group, you know, first time being. An all-black team. It was beautiful to my soul. We get there, and I'm like, okay, we about to probably lead the seminar. We about to have the conferences. We about to, you know, we're the American missionaries. <laughs> and we get there, and we sit down, and we had African church leaders come and train us. And I just wept. I mean, I'm crying like a baby. I'm, so, I'm like, out of nine years of ministry, I was always the leader. We were always the ones leading, giving the seminars and all this stuff like that. And these African babas or African father, church fathers, coming and giving us truth. And I just was gripped. I said, God, what did I miss out on for nine years? Like, I, I was grieved in my soul. It's about partnership. I'm trying to tell you, an African pastor living in the wilderness for, oh, the mic got you. Thank you. Praise God. I'm kind of loud, so I was trying to balance it out. 
Yes, an African pastor living in the wilderness for Jesus Christ for many years could probably teach us all here a few things. Amen. And it just it just gripped my heart. And I was like, God, I got to be a part of this. I got to be a part of seeing the church be the church wherever you place them. It's not we got we we're God's great gift to the world because, you know what? We look at these nations. They're so poor. And I went over and I saw how blessed we was. Amen. That's great. But they're rich in a lot of things that we're actually poor in, like joy, like relationship, like having smiles on their face. Like they're rich in so much that we actually can learn from. But because you got this American entitlement, sometimes it, it makes it a little difficult. So my call and my encouragement to us is to really just get back to Jesus. We can't go. I see so many people put on their missionary hat and then they go overseas. I'm like, man. And then when they come back to America, because this is not Africa or the Middle East, I just can't coast and watch Netflix all day and just live for self and go to church. No, it doesn't work. If you could give yourself to burning for Christ right here where you're at with your family and your neighborhood, trust me, Africa will be a response. I tell people all the time, I didn't go to Africa to, to, to be something special. Africa was my response. The Middle East where I was almost kidnapped, that was my response to love. How can I... Not fall, how can I fall in love with this man named Jesus, have a home and a place to lay my head and a place for my family, and you have no dwelling or resting place in China? And I'm okay with that? You have no dwelling or resting place in North Africa, and I'm just okay with that, living my blessed life. While grandmothers and daughters and sons, people born and living their whole life without ever hearing this gospel. How can I sleep? We need God to truly draw us and convert our hearts to be fully his. This is why I love the gospel of the kingdom, Matthew 24. If we could put the theme verse back up there. This is why I love it so much because when Jesus came out on the scene in Matthew and Mark 1.14, he says, listen, the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent. This is the good news. What's the good news? I'm offering you an escape. From being under influence of the devil. Being, I'm offering you an, an escape from being in bondage. In depression and anxiety, I'm offering you, I got a kingdom, I'm a king, but you got to repent. You got to think differently. And you got to believe and then force your way into it. I look at all the money and listen, because, you know, we need it for the Lord God. and He's going to provide it and it's awesome. I thank God for it. But I look at the Bible in Luke 9 and 10, the, the biblical way, he says, take no money, take no knapsack, take no extra pair of sandals. When you go to these villages, find a person of peace, eat what's set before you. I lived in Kenya, and I'm saying my mistakes so that as we pray for God to raise up this new army, this missionary army of young and old people, I want us to pray, say, God, like, like I want you to raise them up to be fully yielded to you, God. I lived in Kenya, and it's a meal that's called ugali. It's like, it's like foo-foo. And I never really learned how to make it after living there for six years. Why? Because I had my, my organization makes us, had made us raise all this money. And I came there and I didn't have to eat ugali, which a lot of poor people eat, normal people eat. So I just kept on having my dual experience in your nation and never learned how to eat what's said before me. Able to, to use my emergency money. We say it's Holy Spirit. I'm following the Holy Spirit. But, you know, if anything happened, you got a holy bank account. You know, in, in, in Korea, you, you can't even go into missions until your bank account is zero. 
They won't even send you unless your bank account is because you got to learn how to fully depend and rely on God alone. All of our wire money transfers, a lot of that stuff is shutting down in countries like India. One thing I did, one fruit of the pandemic that I did see was, you know what? So many times as Americans, when something's happening, we can just buy a flight. We can just go somewhere. But everything globally shut down, and it wasn't, oh, I'm so special because I'm a missionary, or no, everybody went on lockdown. It was globally, and nobody could escape. What's coming to the world and what's happening, you won't be able to escape it. So God, come and burn in me and mark me and, and show me what it means to truly be disciple for you, God. So no matter what's happening in the world, I can say, come and follow me. I've had pastors walk me out of their churches, y'all, okay, because it was blessed month or something, and they said this is the year of health, wealth, and prosperity, but that wasn't in my spirit. And I said, listen, this is the year of carrying your cross, denying yourself, and dying to self, which leads to blessings. And the guy sat down, he says, listen, I want to know, how can we minister to the young men at our church? You know, we got so many young people. I'm like, okay, y'all got 40 deacons. Okay, cool. Y'all want young people to, be, to follow y'all. So how many young people are at y'all's house? No, we have none. No, so so you, they, they're, they're not at your house. They're not seeing how you treat your spouse. They're not seeing how you spend your money. But we want our young people to come and just look spiritual. That's not going to work because the world is enticing. So just putting on a suit and tie and feeling good because you got a, a, a popping youth ministry ain't going to work when everybody's leaving, getting pregnant, getting diseases, going into tr- all these uh, other identities and genders. Like, we need, we need power. So I said, sir, the only answer to truly see revival in your youth is opening up your home, opening up your life. Amen. It's costly. Right now, me and my wife are being trained with AFI, and we're trying, they're doing real biblical Jesus. Live with each other, do life, be called out in the moment. It is hard. I cry probably every two days. Sometimes I'm like, man, I miss just working with the white people in missions, man. This, this is, trusting the word alone is, is different. But it's the only thing that will work, amen? Okay, I'm almost done. Let me just read the, the verse real quick. You know, because a lot of, you know, I've been seeing this scripture and I've been just reading it in context, and I'm like, man, Lord, for this part that we say amen to and this gospel of the kingdom will be preached, there's a lot of stuff happening that leading up to this, this basically revival, this, this, this gospel being proclaimed to all nations. So if we look at Matthew 24, 14, yeah, I don't. I'm not calling people to missions anymore. I'm calling people to transform discipleship. And when you are a true disciple of God, missions is not something you even got to consider. It's, it, it goes to God. Where are you not? Lo- Just point at a map. Where are you not loved or known? Just send me there, God, because it's not okay with me. Matthew 24, starting at verse 5. For many will come in my name saying, I am the Christ, and they will mislead many people. Many false witnesses in verse six, and you will be hearing of wars and rumors of wars and see that you are not alarmed for those things must take place. But that is not yet the end. How many things every time you turn on the news is some tensions with China, Tijuana, all these places like there's wars and rumors of wars, Russia, Ukraine, we're seeing it unfold so much present day. 
And still do not be afraid, the Bible says. For those things must take place. And this is just the beginning. So look at verse 7. For nation will rise against nation. That word nation is ethno, ethnic. People, colors, people, your color, people will rise up against people. For nation, for ethnicity will rise up against ethnicity and kingdom against kingdom. And there will be famines and earthquakes in various places. That sounds like an economic crisis. Economies crashing. Racial wars, racial agendas, political spirits that's coming to possess Christians. Verse 8, but all these things are merely the beginning of the birth pains. All this stuff is just the beginning. Verse 9, then they will hand you over. So in this verse right here, we see an introduction of a new nation. Because in verse uh, in verse 7, he says, for nation will rise up against nation. Then you read verse 9, and then they will hand you over to, be, to tribulation and kill you, and you will be hated by all nations because of my name. And at that time, many will fall away. He's not talking about gay people, broken. He's call, talking about Christians. The love of many will grow cold. People will be offended with me. Why? Because they will hand you over to tribulation and kill you, and you will be hated by all nations because of Jesus. And at that time, many will fall away, and they will betray one another and hate one another. Verse 11, and many false prophets will rise up and mislead many people. Verse 12, and because of lawlessness, because of sin being increased, most people's love will grow cold. I, I, I would just talk to my wife about this. We got to stop having so many opinions and start having intercession. Because when you're looking at the news, you're looking at the world, you're looking at what's happening with your grandchildren and your nieces and nephews and your sons and daughters, it is disheartening. It is. But if we look at it from this eye, the eye of doom and gloom, we're going to continue to get our hearts cold and offended with God. Why well, I go to church every Sunday? I give my tithes and offering. Why is this happening to me, God? Why is this happening to me when I'm giving my all? It's happening to you because you don't belong here. No matter how comfortable you get, no matter how big your house is, no matter how much your 401c, all this stuff is, all of it is fading. And what we do for Jesus is the only thing that lasts. It's only Jesus. So because of sin increasing and lawlessness, lawlessness abounding, people's love will get cold. But the one who endures to the end, everybody say endure. The one who endures to the end, perseveres to the end, shall be saved. And then this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached to the whole world as a testimony to all nations. And then the end will come. There's a lot of stuff leading up into this. There has to be a people that will preach the gospel to the nations, and it's because they live for his nation. They live for him. We have something to give the world. We have a gospel of the kingdom to give them, to give all of them. Why? Because we're truly at the end of ourselves. To be born again is to be born, to be born from above. You're not your own. Jesus looked at Nicodemus and said, look, look, brother, no matter how Jew, you look just like me. But no matter how Jewish, if you're not born from above, you will not see the kingdom of God. Do we, do we, do we, are we gripped? We can watch so many things be so addicted to TikTok to the world while our family members go to hell. 
We have no tears, no agony. I'm praying this for my own self because I feel the dullness. There's a story of a, a, a couple that moved here from the Middle East, and the wife was saying, I want to go back to war-torn Iran. I want to go back. And he was like, why are you? What we got? What? Like, my family's comfortable. We got a car. Like, there's war. We're Christians here. It's war back at home. She says, yeah, but the American lullaby is putting me to sleep. When I was in war, when I was in, when I was in those intense situations, there was, I, 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 I longed for God. When I was in those situations, I, I, I felt his nearness. But the, the American lullaby is putting me in the sleep, and I'd rather be in war with Jesus than comforted, separated. I don't know. How we doing on time? Are we good? I'm about to wrap it up. Praise God. Hallelujah. Hmm. Okay, my wife said five minutes. Amen. Y'all said never, but she's like, go. Amen. Yes, God. Yes, Lord. I don't want to just give head knowledge, God. I don't want to just say a couple things that I know in my mind, God. I want reality for us, Lord. Lord, I feel convicted, Lord. Let me not come here and, and say things that I'm not living out myself, God. Lord, I want to live under your pressure. I want to live under affliction in you, God. Lord, I want to suffer for the sake of Christ Jesus so that you may be made known to those around us. God, Lord, come, do something in us, Lord. It's not enough just to have the look. It's not enough just to say we, we have the title of Christianity, God, but our lives are so filled with the world, so filled with Satan, so filled with the fruit of the world, but not you, God. So I'm asking, God, would you continue to come and draw us, Lord? Lord, you said no one can follow me unless they hate mother, brother, sister, father. And guess what? Even your own life, you cannot be my disciple, you said these things, God. You said those who gain the world will lose their soul, but those who lose themselves for your sake find the kingdom. God, I'm asking today, God, that you will continue to reveal yourself to us, God. We want to be people that truly possess you, God, not just know about you, not just do stuff for you, God. But we desire your lordship. When you say the kingdom of God, it means the reign, the rule of God over a person's life. We no longer live for self. We live for you. God, I do pray, Lord, that we will practice our missionary calling in the little things and how we do business in our marriages, in our singleness, God, with our children. God, I'm asking that you will continue to use the pressures that's happening in America, God, to, to surface our dead religion and dead church stuff and to bring us into this reality of being ones that knows you. God, Matthew 7 says, we can, I, I can say, I went to Africa, I did these things, I cast out demons, I did all this stuff, but you never knew me, God. Lord, I'm asking God for this army, Lord, that would truly say, send me wherever you want to, God. Yes, Africa, but also North India, God, with the Hindus and the, the Buddhist God, the sex slavery God, the most hardest and darkest place, it's not too far from you, God. You're able to do it, and you don't even need us, but you want us, God. This is about sonship. This is about following and responding to the convictions of your spirit. Lord, help us today. If it's just for one person, God, I'm asking God for absolute surrender. 
I was in it, God. I was homeless. I was gay. I was broken. And your love came and saved me, gave me the best this world can offer because of you, God. You've been enough for me. So I'm asking God, let the seeds of the word today fall on good soil, definitely in my young brothers and sisters, God. Even the older saints, God, I've met missionaries in their 80s. Didn't use their retirement to go to Florida. They used it to be in a village in Africa for your glory, God. No, we all have a part to play, God. We all have something to give. So give us vision. Can we just stand up together real quick? God, give us vision. I ask for this church, God, as they're being obedient to the missions among God. I'm asking for true open doors. True conviction for the call of the nations, God. Even if that means someone's grandchildren have to go. Even if that means there's the best this church has to offer, God. Even if we have to send them, God, so that your great commission could be accomplished, God. We hold nothing back. So many times we hear these calls, but we're, we're coming up with all the excuses. Well, I can't because I got this and I got this. Just give it to God. God, I'm asking, speak another language to someone. What language do you want us to learn? What food do you want us to learn how to cook so we can break bread and make disciples, God? Lord, show us in this place, Lord. The time for just nice conferences and nice meetings is coming to an end, God. It's not working. We want revival. We want tears. We want urgency, God. You saw the people in Matthew 9. You looked at them with compassion. You said they were like sheep without a shepherd. And your answer was to pray earnestly. So, God, help us obey that scripture. We pray earnestly right now, God. Lord of the harvest, would you send out laborers, God? Would you sin? Maybe we have to give. Maybe we got to part, whatever it looks like. But help us run in that direction, God. We need more, God. We need more. Increase our appetite. Increase our hunger. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst. We don't want just a spiritual appearance, God. We want lives with substance. I ask for spiritual substance in the name of Jesus Christ spiritual substance in our word spiritual substance in our prayer lives God in the secret place God I don't want just people say you're so spiritual you're a missionary it means nothing if my life is not bent for you God burning for you God and not just on an airplane and overseas only because that's important but today and right now God I thank you. I pray a blessing over this church. I pray a blessing over my family members here, God. I thank you for their heart to serve you, God, to, to even have a missions week, month, God. This is, that's amazing, God, because you're a God of everyone. You desire all people to not perish, God. We thank you for Mexico and all these other places that got the gospel of America, but we ask for the ones that need a witness, God. Speak, send us, God. Release the provision, the finances, the prayers, God, and so much more. Release it, God. Help us, God. God vision in the name of Jesus Christ. Thank you so much. And, and we can have a seat. My wife just wanted to, she's going to save uh, the closing. Praise God. <laughs> I just want to bless the Lord. Thank you, God. Just thank you, Father. I just want to bless um, Peter. Um, we just 
um, as he poured out. God, we just thank you for what you've done in his heart and his life. God, we just bless the word of the Lord. Um, Father, we know that you're faithful to release refreshing Jesus, and we just declare, God, and ask that every word that was spoken of you, that it will have good soil to grow in, and that it will bear good fruit, God, unto your name's sake, Jesus. So we thank you. In your name we pray, amen. amen. Thank you, Lord. Bless God. And we have a mission's mm -hmm. cards. Mm -hmm.